0: Yeah. Today's daf is mem, Daf mem. We are holding uh, a couple lines from the bottom, a lot of tests on the days. So, amalei rav'acha il Ravino. All right? So now, let me just review outside what's happening here so we get a better picture. We had two b'rises that uh, we were trying to reconcile yesterday. The first brice said that a... Uh, the, shor, uh, the shore of a cherashot of a cotton, the ox of a cherashot of a cotton that gourd, Rabbi Yaakov said that you pay chatzinezek. So again, it was shor of a cherashot of a cotton that gourd, Rabbi Yaakov said that you pay chatzinezek. So, the way Rava explained this, he said the novelty of this b'risa is that we're actually teaching, it's dealing with a muad. All right? So it's dealing with a muad. The question is, if it's a muad, then why is it Chatzinezek? Why would it not be Nezek Shalin? So what Rav said is that Rabbi Yaakov is consistent with the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda. And there's actually three points here that are being brought out in this brysa. Two of them are in the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda, and one is in the Shita of... A and that we had yesterday. What are the three? Well, first of all, Rabbi Yaakov holds like Rabbi Yehuda is that when a tam becomes muad, fifty percent of it still remains tam. The other fifty percent becomes muad, which means that the real the laws when you have when you're paying for muad you're just paying on the additional 50% that it became more, but the laws of Tam still apply on the first 50%. So you're gonna pay 100%, but for example, the first 50% are gonna be paid from the body of the animal. The second 50% can be taken from the entire estate, right? So therefore, that's, that's what's called that's number one. Number two, Rabbi Yehuda also has a very novel opinion, which we're going to see later on in the Masechta. He holds that the shmirah, the safeguarding that's required for a Tom, is greater than the shmirah that you have to do for a Murad, which is counterintuitive, but that's his pos- position, okay? And the third point that Rabbi Yaakov holds is tied to the Mshita, and not which is not like Sumrach, Sumrach is held that we only appoint a guardian to pay muad. But you don't appoint a guardian over the upper tropus of a cherishot of a cotton to pay for tam. Which means if the tam gores the, uh, of a of, of a of a, of a cotton, you would not end up collecting Chatsi nezek. Only nezek shalem. The, the, the warning only helps to collect as a muad, whereas the, uh, the chachamim disagreed with sumchus and the chachamim that we do appoint an apotropis we do appoint a uh, an, to collect even on the chatzin. Apotropus is a caretaker. Yeah, the, the caretaker, government? right? They the supervise the caretaker. Now, therefore, assigned after the three times. You, you, but, but the warning so would be warning re- retro. That we discussed yesterday with Yusro, is it, is it earlier and the warning happens earlier or afterwards and retroactively they warn it? That's irrespective of that, the point is that whatever the Apotropus is not, they're not going to be holding a liability of a Hatzin because of the Apotropus. That's the, the bottom line. Now, how does that work over here? So the case is over here is that uh, there was a Chere Shoit of a Cotton's ox that was guarded by an apotropos, and it gored. Now, it was a muad, but the safeguarding of the apotropos was only a safeguarding at a lower level. It was a lower shmira, uh, it was only like the door was locked, protecting normal winds, but not uh, above average winds. So therefore, it was only, therefore, that only helps for the muad part. It didn't help for the Tom part, so therefore, it comes out that since it it was protected for the Muad, you cannot hold liability for the Muad, but for the Tom part, <laughs> with well, his negligence, and you can pay because going on the Shidachahameth, you pay Tom on the percent. That's the way Rove explained it. Then that the Gemara brought a second brisa, and the second brisa they seem to be a machlokis. This was a buyer as the Kasha and Rava. The second brisa says that, that the, heresho, the, 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 the ox of a cheresha to a cuttin' gorn. Said Rabbi Yehuda says you're and I'm Rabbi Yaakov, you have to pay Chatzinezek, and the simple understanding, which is the way I buy it, there's a machlokas over there, so how can you tell me that Rabbi Yaakov is, in, is consistent with the sheeta of Rabbi Yehuda, then why is he arguing with Rabbi Yehuda in the second brysa? To that, Ravina explained the shita of Rava is that it's actually not a machlokas. Rab, uh, Rabbi Yaakov coming to explain that when Rabbi Yehuda said that it is chayef he only meant Chai of Ezek. That's what Rabbi Yaakov was coming along and doing, right? To which the Gemara re- retorted that obviously Abaya a that asked the question, he understood that Rabbi Yaakov is arguing. Rabbi Yaakov is arguing with the position of... Uh, of Rabbi Yehuda. So if he is arguing with the position of Rabbi Yehuda, then we have to go back and explain why, what exactly would the position of Rabbi Yaakov be? If he's not consistent with the position of uh, Rabbi Yehuda, then what exactly is the machlokas and what would Rabbi Yaakov hold and what would Rabbi Yehuda hold? That's what, and the, the Gemara concluded yesterday is that uh, according to Abaya, the uh, the what was the what was the argument? So the case is like this. The Torah says like this: is that uh, we're talking about a situation with the way Abaya understood the machlokas. It was a muad that was not safeguarded at all. So um, at a muad, there was no safeguarding at all. And actually, Rabbi Yaakov holds like Rabbi Yehuda in one aspect, but he argues with him in one aspect. He holds like Rabbi that there is a concept of when it becomes muad, the, the part of it remains Tom, he does agree with that. So now, what does he disagree with? What he agrees with is that whereas Rabbi Yehuda learns is the reason why you're going to have nezek shalom over there because you did not watch it at all. So you're responsible both for the Tom part and you're responsible for the Mu'ad part. And even though it's an ox of Ashur, cheresh cotton, we make you pay for the Tom part as well, which is the which is what exactly what Rabbi. Uh, which is what Rabbi Yaakov disagrees with. He holds, now he's saying he holds, not like that, Itaka holds, I guess it was sumchus yesterday, is that you don't pay for the tam of a a cotton. So even though you are negligent both on the fact that it was tam and it's muad, you can only make the guy pay for the muad portion and not for the tam portion, and that's why it comes out being nezek. That's the, that's what we left off yesterday. Now, we're going to pick it up today, is like this. The way Abaya explained that there is a machlokas between Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Yehuda. There is a machlokas between Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Yehuda, right? As to whether or not you pay for a Tom. Do you pay for a tom under the, right? Some says says like this. So then, Shapir I understand, what is it what, that he understands? The original b'risa, right? The original b'risa that said, that, that uh, we brought down, Rabbi Yaakov says that for the shor of a cherish shor t'v'kat pay chatsi nezek. Now I understand that b'risa, it has to be talking about, according to Abayah, a muad. Why does it have to be talking about a muad? Because if it would be a tam, you wouldn't be paying for a time. So therefore it makes sense, it's talking about a muad, and you're only paying for the muad part, that's I understood. But according to Ravo that says that, Abaya, that, that, that Rabbi Yaakov agrees completely with the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, then why were we forced to say that it's talking about a muad? Why can't you just say that it's talking about a tam? And the reason you pay ezek because he holds that ezek you pay on a tam of a cherishot of a cotton. Now, yesterday we actually said a swara why that wouldn't have been a novelty. And therefore, why would he have to say that it's Chatzin Ezek? points out that one is reverting from the is is, is, is retracting from the svara we said yesterday. I'm not going to get into it. It's more of the But the point is like this: they've just simply understood that if uh, according to Rovo, that there is no chalokas, in, in that case, where Rabbi Yaakov said in, in the Brisa that for the shore of a cherasad it's why do you have to make it a case where it's a muad? Just went straight. He's talking about a. T- Tom, and you pay Khatsianazah because it's the shore of it. it's a You pay for Chatsi you pay for the Tom according to Yaakov, who agrees with Rabbi Yehuda, Right? Nukma, the Tom. That the says like this. And and, and and the word just speaks it out. And you could either say it's talking about uh, according it's either according to Rabbi Yehuda to Avidle Shmira Phuso, that it's talking about that you did a uh, a, a, a inferior shmira, as opposed to doing the superior shmira, which according to Rabbi Yehuda is not a good enough shmira, and therefore you have to pay for the Tom under that circumstances, right? And that's why you're paying the chatzin for the Tom. or you could be that Rabbi Yaakov actually holds like Rabbi Lezvan Yaakov. Rabbi, Rabbi Lezvan Yaakov holds that a a a, uh, a inferior shmira is good enough for both a Tom and a muad, and there's the law of the Shmira Then you would say that Rabbi is talking about a case where you did no Shmira at all. So therefore, you are a Kayev over here, still Chatzinezek for the Tam. So either way, if according to Ravva, Rabbi Yaakov agrees with Rabbi Yehuda that you pay for a tam of a cheres of a cotton chatzin So then, why do we have to make it a case of a muad and complicate things? Just make it straight out a case of a tam. And either there was a, a inferior shmira going like the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda, or it's going there was a there was no shmira at all going like the sheet of Elizabeth. Yehuda. But either way, the outcome comes. It's chatzin the sign is we learned in a brisa. That if it was a, whether animals a tam or a muad, and you safeguarded with a lesser shmirah, you are potter according to Rav He holds that lesser shmirah okay. So said, so "Why would he, over Rav say chayv to him a case where didn't do a shmirah at all? But either way, you can come out to him at a tam. Why do you have to make it a muad?" So Mordechai says like this: Is the reason why Ravah wants to explain that brisa? that Rabbi is talking about a muad. And then you have to talk about a muad and you have to make it a little complicated. And he holds like two, two, sheet, two, two points like Rabbi Yehuda plus one point like the And Why is he complicated that way? Hakamash molan, Rabbi Yaakov demameidim lehena latam Ligvos migufo. Because he wants to actually push the point. If you only said that it was talking about a uh, uh, right, that, that, uh, that, that the, the, the Chiddush is over here that you collect from a tam, right, uh, one second, let me just one second, no I'm sorry, I'm sorry like this, so this is this is part of the question, it means if the main point over here is to show that you can collect from a tam, you can collect from a tam uh, from a hereshoi to the cotton, you didn't have to make it a case of muad to show me that. According to Rabbi Yaakov, you could have made it a case of a Tom that you did not have the appropriate shmira, whether it be a com- completely did not watch it, only partially watched it, but either way, the novelty would still come out. What's the novelty that he holds, that you pay for the, when a supervisor is given for a Tom, you pay chatzinezek on it. That would have been. So why do you have to make it a case of muad? Right? Why do you have to make a case of muad to bring out that point? So muad says like this: Amar Lay, achika amar. So what the muad says like this that what Rubber is trying to say is is The reason why Rubber wants to make the case it's talking about a muad because this way actually he you can teach that uh, that Rabbi Yaakov holds like Rabbi Yehuda in two areas. Meaning, if it would have made it just a straight up case of a tom, you don't see the full extent of what Rabbi Yaakov holds. <coughs> All you see is that he holds that you're chayav on a tom if you didn't have shmir of a cherishoite of a cotton. But we don't see the fact that he holds completely like the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda. If you make the case of a muad, you actually do see that, right? Because what do we see over here? Number one, you see that a muad. Has partially tom, partially muad, like the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda. And number two, you see that with a partial safeguarding, it only helps you on the muad part. It doesn't help you on the tom part. So the reason why uh, Rav was more comfortable making it a case of muad than making it a case of tom, because he shows it shows the full extent of how Rabbi Yaakov holds like Rabbi Yehuda, which would not have been apparent had it only been talking about a case of a tom. So he, says, so he says that what Ravo uh, would tell you is that this, that, that this psaac would show that there's two areas or two facets that Rabbi Yaakov agrees with Rabbi Yehuda if you learn it's a case of more and therefore Ravo is more comfortable saying that's the case because it shows the greater extent of how Rabbi Yaakov agrees with Rabbi Yehuda. That's the point. Now... Ravina is, after having explained the way Rava explains it, and half the way explained how Abaya explains, again, remember, we have the two brises. How do you reconcile the two brises? Ravina says like this. Ravina actually says that there is a machlok, as Yaakov and Rabbi Yehuda, going on, and the question that Abaya asked on Rova, that the Chorah, how could you say that Abaya, that, that Rabbi Yaakov agrees with Rabbi Yehuda, I, we have a bribes that shows that they disagree. So how do you say they agree? So remember, Ravva's yes, yesterday was, he's not arguing with him, he's just explaining. When he said Chayib, he meant Nezek. That's the way Ravva got out of it. Ravina says you don't have to come on to that. There is a machlokus going on between Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Yehuda. But the machlokus is a side machlokus. It's not pertinent to the issues being discussed. It's true, Rabbi, Yehud, Rabbi Yaakov completely buys into of Yehuda Shita on that a tam is, that a muad has, half of it is a tam. And he agrees also that the type of shmira that's required for a tam is a shmira me'ula. And he also holds like him that a tam pays for a chatsi ezek of a of a cotton. He agrees with all those things. So what are they arguing about? The argument is a completely different argument. What's the argument? The case over here was that it's talking about that this was a of a cotton. All right? We're talking about that this was the ox of a cherishot of a cotton that became a muad under the jurisdiction of the caretaker. And then the child grew up. The cherish got back his faculties. The shote got back his faculties. The question is, now that it returns to a new reshus, like we had a Machlokas yesterday between mayor of Shimon, do we say that you go back to zero? That's what they're arguing about over here. Because if you hold it remains muad, then that's what Rabbi Huda says, nezak Shalim. If you hold that it goes back, that's why Rabbi Yaakov says it's only Chatzin Nezek. But it's a completely separate argument, nothing to do with the issues that we were discussing. So it's not a contradiction to the first b'risa of Rabbi Yaakov. That's how Ravina answers. His Roshus, Meshana Ikbenawet, they're arguing about whether a change of domain, a change of ownership, affects the status of the animal. If you're going to have a means this animal was a muad. It was already been established in a muad. And they had a a, 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 a caretaker uh, put in charge. But what happened was <laughs> the Keresh uh, re, re, uh, 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 regained his capacity to speak and to hear. Nishtapa <laughs> HaShoyteh, the Shoyteh became, uh, got back his faculties no longer deranged, and the a cotton the child became an adult. So Rabbi Yehuda it doesn't change the status of the animal. New ownership, same status. Mu'ad, it still remains a muad. Whereas Yaakov's Savar that changes goes from the ju- status of the juris- uh, from the caretaker now to the uh, to the the the, the previous the cotton then now so therefore it goes back from being muad to becoming Tom. Now it gores again under their jurisdiction. According to them, it's only gonna be chatzin ezek. Okay. Tanura Bono. Apatropas mishalmi Minal the ton of this bryce holds that when an animal damages under the supervision of an apetropos, you, uh, you, you pay from the, the best of the properties, meaning it's not limited to the animal itself, but it pays, I mean, I mean it's a muot, right? It's a muat. Now, who pays... At a has yesterday, is it the apotropus is paying, is it, right? But he, says, he seems to be saying, Avotropim shal minah aliyah, they pay from the best of the properties. However, what happens if this animal, who's now a muad, actually kills? Now normally, what's this, the, the law? If my animal that's a muad goes and kills somebody, a set, um, there's a kofer, There's cofer, a, a it's an atonement fee. Uh-huh. Right, as a tomen fee. So he says, but Ain meshalmin kofir, but there is no kofir to be paid. Now, the Gemara understands right now is that the Tana of this b'risa must hold that even though a caretaker has taken on the responsibility to supervise the animals of a cherishot of a cotton, at the end of the day, whose animal is it? the right. cotton and even though we hold them liable for their damages that, that were incurred, we make them have to pay well, right I, 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 right but in terms of needing atonement, you don't, the only time you need an atonement is for somebody that's in the parish of doing mitzvahs and averis. And since they're not in the partial of doing mitzvahs and averis, there's no kofr. Now, the Gemara says, but what you see also is you see that the kofr is not a compensatory payment. Because the Chorah, if it would be a compensatory payment, then it should be no different than paying for damages. It must be that it's actually an atonement payment and not a compensatory payment. Because if it's a compensatory payment, then what's it different than paying for damages? Right? You hear the point here. Someone says like this: Montana, who is the owner? All- what? Is a coffer, would a cover be considered kanas or is that a whole different category? Well, it is. It's it's not really knas in itself. It's not compensatory. Heart, but it? no, no. But we're going to see. But if it's not considered to be knas per se, because we're not penalizing you, we're allowing you as a form of repentance. This is a way of you. You did something that you could. You you didn't have that's an Vera for your animal having killed someone, and now you can get a level of atonement. So it's out of the compens. If you it's out of the compensatory realm. I wouldn't call it necessarily knas because this is something a person wants to do because he gains his atonement through paying it if you view it as that way you could say well it's just another form of compens- compensation but clearly not because it would be another form of compensation and there should be no difference in paying for nezek when it damages and paying kofer when- so and Someone wants to know So Tana Kofor Kapara, who is this Tana that holds that the kofor payment is viewed as an atonement and not as compensatory so if you look Maseches Makos this is we had this Machlokas over here what's that? Yeah, I remember. am yeah. right. Rabchista. Rabbi Yishmael, of Rabbi Yochum, and This is the Sheetah of Rabbi Yishmael, the son of Rabbi Yochum, and Merokeh, the son who lived in Ebreus. So now this pasuk that we're quoting is from the uh, passage that talks about kopher. The Pesach says, that you have to give the owner of the ox that perpetrated this, this, this capital event, it says he has to give a kopher for his life. A ransom for his life, pidyon, a redemption. I'm sorry, a redemption for his life right now. Whose life? Whose life are you paying for? So the Niza, the Tanakhama says, you're giving the value of the dead person, whatever that dead person would have been worth as a slave. That's the amount that needs to be paid. No, it's the life of the owner of the ox of the perpetrator, his life is being paid for over here. Now the Chorah just said, you step back for a moment, what seems to be the Machlokas? Moses is it not a Machlokas that if you look at it as compensatory, so then whose life do you need to be paying for? You pay for the nizak. Correct. And that's a Tanakama. Whereas according to the position of Rabbi Yohanan Rabbi, Shmuel Rabbi Ben Barokha, he's saying, no, I don't pay for the value of the nizak, I'm paying for the value of the mazik. Therefore, that seems to be why, because it's not compensatory. It's a kanas. I'm paying, I'm not going to go a it's, a it's a kapura. You're oh, paying for an atonement of my soul. Right, okay. I'm paying for a atonement for my soul. So it's the demai masik. So my love, Akam Efragi, the Rabbanu, the Chacham, and the, the Tanakama hold kufra mamona. He had compensatory, and therefore you're paying for the nizak's soul. And Rabbi Yishmael, Ben Osher, Rabbi Yocham of kufra kapara that it is an atonement, and therefore it's the demai masik. So Amara am a Rab Papa. Rab Papa you don't have to say that. Like. It could be everybody holds that this Pidya Navsho that's talking about this uh, redemption of the soul is a kapora. It's not viewed as compensatory according to both opinions. So what is it that they're arguing about? The Rabbonin just say is the way you get atonement is by evaluating the value of the person that you killed and paying for that. And is that you pay for the value of the mazik, of the person who owned the ox that killed, that's the, the, the perpetrator's soul. So, what it says like this, but if you want to hold, they both hold it's an atonement. So, if they both hold that it, it's an atonement, which one makes more sense? If it's an atonement, Right, you're atoning for the sin that was perpetrated. What makes more sense to say? It's the value of the nizak or the value of the mazak that's being paid? The, the value of the nizak. Really, value them. of the nizak sounds more like compensa- compensa- compensation. If you're, playing, I want atonement for what, who the nizak didn't do the avera. I did the Averu, when you have atonement, you get, a, you get it for the, the, the soul of the person that's the perpetrator. But if it's the soul of the nizok, that doesn't sound as much as it is, compa- it's an atonement. So the more asks ask like this, is that I understand that according to Rabbi Yochan Mebaroka, I understand why he says that the Mazik is paying for his own soul because you're telling me it's an atonement. But what has to be explained, how do you understand it's atonement according to the Chachamim if it's its main nizak? Why would they say it's a nizak if they understand that it's an atonement? Atonement seems to be much more in line with paying for the uh, soul of the Mazik, not the soul of the nizak, which is why they want to ask the question. So, my time, the Rabbanan. So, what exactly is the reasoning behind the Rabbanan? So he says like this, Rabbanu said, there's a following Shavu, right? That, uh, that uh, below, a few, a, a, a few psukim later discusses a case where somebody, two people are fighting and someone strikes a pregnant woman causing her to miscarry. So what the halacha is, is that the husband of this woman takes the guy to court and based on the legislation of the court, he, the, the husband will impose a penalty upon the uh, person who struck his pregnant wife. Now, there's no question, and it says, and then you calculate the value of the fetus. Now, over there, when you're paying, it's clearly talking about, what is it, the value coming from the, from the mazik or the nezak? That case clearly, the, that, that's written later, in the later psukim, is clearly talking about nezak, because you're paying for the value of what? The of can. the, of the... Of the fetus, you're paying for the fetus, so that's clearly And it says over there, use a lotion of shas shisa means whatever will be imposed upon or placed upon the perpetrator will be. We have to pay. So as what what will be? So it says there, the 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 the, the, the lashon over there, shisa, of shisa, kashayushas Whatever the husband will place upon him, that is what you pay. All right, v'ne'mar shisa lamala, and it took him above. All right. Uh, did I say backwards? Yeah, I, I, I said it backwards. I, 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 yeah, the, no, the, 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 the psukim below, are what we're dealing with, the psukim below is by the kofer of the ox. By the, by the kofar of the ox, it says that uh, you have to pay, they'll, they'll impose upon him to have to pay. And the psukim above Right, that's talking about the miscarriage. That's the pesukim of the babas, by the miscarriage. Ma'alah now, just as in the case of the miscarriage, when it says im kov, it says over there kasha yoshis Allah balaisha, that which is imposed upon him by the husband of. This woman, right? that payment will be imposed on him, and that clearly he's talking about bedenizok, because what he has to pay is the value of the miscarriage of the fetus that died. So therefore, Avkan, using the same logic and kasher yoshis, what will be imposed upon him? The Apostle says over there, the imposition they'll pay them kofor of the kofor that will be imposed upon him. Also, therefore, is B'demei nizak. So, even though the chachamim learn that the, it's, a, it, it's, it's a it's it's a kapara, the reason why they hold that even though it's a little strange, it's kapara. So, why are you paying for the the nizak soul? Why don't you pay for the mazik? Because of the zera shava that compares it to the fetus of the miscarriage. That's the reason why you hold it. So, nemechayis l'mal l'mal ahalim, but a nizak av nizak. Okay. Now, what about Rabbi Shmuel Benoche of Yochum uh, ben Baroka? He does not have the mesora of this shava, And he says, the Pesach says that you have to pay a ransom for his life. Makes sense. If it's a ransom for his life, who are you paying? Whose soul are you paying? He doesn't have the Gzereshava. It makes sense. What, what? What? I said for the Nizak. Incorrect. If you pay a ransom, you don't pay the ransom of the dead person. You're paying for your own soul. You're paying to get yourself off the hook that you don't get punished for it. Yeah, so therefore, yeah. it's the So therefore, that's way it holds. the opinion Pidhin Mavsha, which is much more clearer, than going on the owner of the ox. What about the Rabbanan? say? The says, say, I agree, it is a redemption of your soul. The payment is a redemption. At the end of the day, what it does, the effect it does, it redeems you from the avera that was perpetrated, your negligence, in not watching your ox. It, but, it, it, but the way it redeems it is by paying for the victim. By paying for the victim, that's how you get the redemption. It doesn't have to be that the way it's calculated is based on the value of the perpetrator. It could still be based on the value of the Nizak, but that's how you get your pigeonumtial. That's how you get your pay off the ransom for your soul. Pigeon you owner know, says like this, you what know, says, yeah, pigeon in. Uh in, you're right, It is But the way you, that you assess it, it's calculated on the Nizm. Point is that it could be that all opinions hold that it's a kapara Nobody holds it's compensatory, but then so everybody then can agree with al we just said is that if a uh, if if a supervisor caretaker is watching the options of even though when it damages, you have to pay the Muad is mina Aliyah because damages are they're responsible for their damages whether it's a takana, societal takona whatever it is they have to pay but when it comes to kapara, kapara, they do not pay because they don't need kapara because children are not in the partial of mitzvah and averus all right Says it more as follows. So uh, Rava uh, praised, Rava used to praise when he would meet Rav Nachman that there's this great rabbi whose name is Rav Acha Bar Yaakov and he used to praise him to Adam Godelhu that he is a great person. So Amalites um, Rav Nachman said to Rava, Next time he comes to you, have you to bring him to me, I'd like to meet this fellow. So when Rav when Yaakov showed up at the doorstep of Rav Nachman, so I'm a laser, Rav Nachman said, you know, instead of me asking you a question to see your knowledge, why don't you ask me a question? And based on the strength of your question, I'll get a bit of an insight to your knowledge, your scholarship. Okay, we got what's going on over here? So, ask me emails to something. So, me Neyser, Vachaber Yaakov asked him the following question. And what happens? You have an ox that belonged to partners, to two people. Gates said, Kofer, and that ox killed someone. How is the Kofer payment made into the family of the victim? Right? How do you pay the Kofer? Do we say, well, since they both own the ox, each one has to pay the full Kofer? No. The first assumption is that each one would have to pay the full kufr. Someone says, no, can't. That that you could argue the Torah says that you have to pay kofr, kofr and that way the family will be receiving two redemption, complete redemption payments, and the khara from the suquin' mashmah, that only one kofer needs to be paid. Okay, so what's the other option? Ira's option. Let each one pay. Half. So therefore, let's say high chatzi of a high So what each man pay. Yeah, but problem is when you read the Psukim, it's Mashmah, the perpetrator has to pay a full kofer, Right? Someone says, I shalom Sholam So if you look at from the side of the the victim's family, it's mashmah they only receive one kofer. But if you look at from the side of the perpetrator, he has to pay a full one. So the chorah, that's the question he raised. That's a good question, right? So what it says like this. So Rav Nachman seems to be somewhat stumped. He's sitting there thinking about it. He's trying to understand how, what, what's the right way to rule. So Rav said, let me give you another question. While you're thinking about that one, let me give you another question. So I'm a lay. So he asked him like this. Nah? We learned in a Mishnah that a, the, the rule is that a person can give an Erech. He gives a certain amount of value that he owes to the Beis amikdash, Depending on the gender and the age of what it is that he did, either on his own, he says, I want to give my Erech, or he says, I want to give that person's Erech, or that lady's Erech. That's the amount that has to be given. There's a liability created by your vow. It's called an Erech Vow. The Arocha is to uh, 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 expedite him paying, the treasurer can take from him a security. Memashkanin, you take a, 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 a... People that have an obligation to pay an eroch, some. you can take an, a mashkan, you can take a security that ensures what? That he'll pay quicker. Why will he pay quicker? Because he wants to get back the item that was seized. However, But if a person owes Corbonus, because he either had to bring a khatas or an ashim. He had done certain type of averus. So therefore, even though it's beshogek, the law is bemazi you don't bring korbonis. But beshogek is, but still, you are liable when you did beshogek. And these korbonus help you, protect you from being punished. So there you don't have to take a mashkon. Why don't you have to take a mashkon? Because it's built, there's a built-in uh, uh, ex, uh, expediting agent. What is built-in? Because this guy doesn't want to get punished he wants to get an atonement so you don't you don't we don't allow you to go and seize a security because there's no need for a security why because he's is intrinsically compelled to go ahead and do it, because why? He doesn't want to get punished for the Aveira that he did. But chay vechatoz vashomaz, eivimash genozza, we don't allow there to be a security taken for these things. The question that he asked, and this is again, Rav Achebe Yaakov asking Rav Nachman another question, what happens if it's a person that has to pay Kofor? What if there are people that have to pay kofr? Now, there's two ways to look at it. On one hand, you could say, well, the person wants to get kapara. And since a person wants to get kapara, that's going to compel him. That what? To pay right away. Right. So get the On the other hand, in the cases where, where you, it goes to the base Hamikdash, maybe a person feels a lot more compelled if it has to go to the base amygdala. When you pay in kapara, where is it ending up? doesn't it- no, you're paying the victim's family. Uh, 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 so uh, therefore, uh, someone, uh, where you uh, killed uh, someone. Uh, so therefore, could be that in a person's eyes, it's not as compelling when it's going to go to the base Migdash, He sees there's a direct relationship. I'm like paying off the sin to our Baruch by giving it to the base Amikdash. But when it's going to a private individual, maybe uh, it's not so as it's compelled, and therefore now. you might might be able to. To take a security. That's one sfora. There's also another sfora that can be made as well. What's the second sfora? Is that, like this, is that you could also argue is that in a case of where you did the Avera yourself, a uh, uh, person ate khale inadvertently, a person uh, did, did all the chiuve kareis, he has to bring a or an ashram, right? In those cases, I understand he feels compelled to do it. But in this case, it's true that he has to bring an atonement. But it's not that he directly did something. Who did it? Why? Yeah, an animal. The animal did it. So therefore, maybe therefore he doesn't feel as compelled. It's not directly me. And therefore, maybe we should allow for a secure to be taken even though it's a kapora. But he's not as, he doesn't take it as seriously. So therefore, there's two svaras over there. Even though it is an atonement, maybe we should allow. So when it says like this, Kev and the kapora, who do we say that since it's kapora, it's considered like Khatas and Ashram dami, and therefore uh, in his mind, it's a serious thing. He needs the atonement. We don't allow to take to an exact to 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 seize a security from him. Adelma came into lechavrehu. On the other hand, it's not going to beis hamikdash. It's going to his friend. The boy miasvele mamona who velola sees He's going to his friend. It's not going to akodesh baruch. It's not going to beis hamikdash. They velo Maybe in his mind, it's not so serious, so significant. Who buy and therefore you should expedite him giving it by taking the security. Alright? Enami, or another reason why he might not take it as seriously, is Kevin the Hulachata. At the end of the day, it's not like a, an ashram or a chata's responsibility where you directly did the Aveira. It's Mamona de Azik. It was his, his, his property. His ox caused the damage. So, Lo mil say Love, and therefore in his mind it's not as serious, and therefore, a Mushkine, and therefore you should take his securities. Another good question that Rabbi Achabar Yaakov asked Rav Nachman. So Amar Lez, Rav Nachman said back to him, Shafgan, leave me alone. I, 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 Stagar, you already uh, 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 g- muted me by the first question. And I can't, uh, I, you already stumped me by the first one. You're going to ask me another hard question. So he told him, you know, uh, let me deal with one, one, one problem at a time over here. Okay, let's go weiter. Now, we're going back to this idea that we had in machlokus tanoim before where the change of ownership resets the time. Position the tom status of the animal. So when it brings down a brysa, what? Right. Yeah, it resets the tom status, makes it go back to being a tom. Okay. Yes. So you have over here, right? Ruvain goes to his neighbor and he says, "I need to borrow your ox for a few days." All right. And the assumption was that the ox. Of Ruve, so therefore, let's say the neighbor's name was Shimon. Shimon borrows Reuven's ox and he thought that he's getting a Tom. Alright? Now, the problem is that Nimtza Muad, that he finds, that out, he finds out this animal goes and gores. Now, the assumption right now is he did not watch it, not for a Tom or a Muad. He didn't watch it at all. Alright? And it went and gored. Okay? Now, and, and now the question is, the Levi is the victim. All right? Now Levi says, a muad damaged me. Since it's a muad that damages me, I have a right to collect uh, on anything. full damages. The question oh, is, who has to pay the full damages? So what is the brysa rule? There's two parts of the brysa, the ratio and the state for. So balin mishal min chatzinezek, vishal mishal min The owner has to pay half of the damages, and the shoel, the borrower, has to pay half of the damage. Why? Because at the end of the day, the borrower was negligent that even if it was a tom, he didn't watch it well. And therefore, he would have paid at least the Chatzin Nezek. But the Levy says, but it was a Muad, so I should be able to get full damages. Therefore, where does he get the remaining 50%? Because the, the owner didn't tell him that it was a Muad. That's correct. And at the end of it, the owner's ox says a Muad that damaged him. So, therefore, between the two of them, it's going to be Nezek Shalem. Levy connects Nezek Shalem. All right, you got the case. Yeah. Now, what happens is that it was a Tom. All right, this animal was a Tom. That, that Shimon got from Ruvain, and he was negligent and it went out and gored three times. Now it's a muad. And now when he hands back to Ruvain, he's now handing back to Ruvain an animal that even though he got it as a tom, he's giving it back as a muad. And now this animal went and gored. Now this animal went to gored. Let's just make it easy. And he did not have the appropriate... Supervision, not for Tom and for Muad. But now, the owner says, one second, my animal, I, I gave, gave it, it to you it as a Tom. So therefore, okay, you want to say that I'm responsible for not supervising, but I should only be responsible for it as a. I should be. Re, right, right, right. No, let's, let's see. So let's see what happens over here. So, Barla Masham and Khatsi So the owner, at the end of the day, even if it, he gave him back a Tom, he still would have had to pay Khatsi Nezek for his animal damaging right? But here, the Shoal Potemiklum, but here it says the Shoal doesn't have to pay anything. Now, you're going to say, well, why not? Why don't we say the same 50% deal over here? He should pay 50%, and since it's a muad created by the Shoel, the Shoal should have to pay the remaining 50%, and Levi should be able to collect the full amount, right? <coughs> but the Gemara understands right now is, is that what happens is when it transferred into the Shoel's group jurisdiction, he now became like an owner of it. And when he gives it back to the owner, to the original owner, it resets to being, going from a muad to a tam, which therefore the only amount that Levi can collect now is chatzinezek from the original owner. Now, the is going to say this seems to be contradicting the first ruling and we'll see with that in a moment. So, Amar Mar. So, let's go through this. The master said. Okay. What do we have over here? Uh... Shalav echeskas tam, v'nimtzam muad. You borrowed this animal as a tam, and you found it to be a muad. Balan neshal mechatzinezek v'shal chatzinezek. So this was the first case. The first case. Now lechora, it says something like this. Lechora, why can't the shawl say, "Hey, one second. This is not fair." You gave me a vicious animal. I didn't, expect, I didn't expect I'm getting a lion from you. I thought I'm getting an ox. And you gave me a lion. And therefore, you should be responsible, the owner should be responsible for the whole thing, right? I would have taken it a lot more seriously had I known that this was a muad. Someone says like this, or well, maybe I wouldn't have taken it at all, right? Someone says like, I borrowed from you an ox. I did not borrow from you a lion. I didn't know that I'm getting a lion. And therefore, why can't he make, that seems to be a valid point that he's making. Now, even though we're going to see at the end of the day, we say, well, even if it was a tom, you didn't watch it for being a tom too. He says, okay, fine, but you know what? Had I known it was a a muad, I would have had a lot more of a focus on watching it than it's a tom. You you don't necessarily think a tom's going to do such a thing, and you gave me a muad. So, is that, the, that even though he did not know it was a muad, but he did notice its aggressive nature. It was clearly a, a, a wilder than the average tom, which means you can't say that I didn't know that it would go out and act this way, even though I didn't know it was a muad, but what? It was I, I saw that there's an aggressive tom, so therefore you can't say I would have watched it better. You should have watched it better, because you knew it was aggressive. So, when I say, lay, sha'ili, doesn't cut; That doesn't cut it. The bottom line is that if it's mu'ad, it's been, it becomes part of its nature. If it's tam, it's not part of its nature. So, therefore, I could still say, I would have watched this animal had I known that it was a mu'ad, and therefore, you should not make me have to pay anything for this animal because you were at fault for not notifying me that I'm giving you a muad and therefore the complete liability should fall on the owners and that, that's what the, the Shoal is claiming. Someone says like this, someone says <laughs> the, what, what, the, what the owner says to the shoel, we are in agreement here, you didn't do any type of shmiro. At the end of the day, you didn't do any type of Shmiro. So even if you tell me, had you known it's a Mu'ad, you would have watched it better, it's true. But even if but had you not had it been a Tom you still didn't watch it good enough for being a tom, which means, at the end of the day, had it been a tom, and I, the fact that I did not notify you, I accept that. That's my fault, that I therefore I have to make up the balance. I understand that. But the fact is, that had it been a tom, you still didn't watch it good enough for a tom, you still would have had to pay chatzinezek. How can you try on, and unload on me at least the chatzinezek? You should still be responsible for the chatzinezek. You pay your chatzinezek, I'll pay the balance that it, for making it Alright? So what it says like this, because so here too, even though we're a Tom, you will still respond with Chatsi Nezek. Now name Malay, the one that says like this, the shoal could say as follows. Very interesting. He's saying is like this. Had the animal been a Tom, right? I would not have paid out of pocket. What's the rule by Tom? It's a It's Chatsi Nezek paid from where? the owner Not from the owner. From the animal. Remember, you take it out of the animal. You pay the payment. He's saying the basin will take the animal and sell it, and from the animal they'll take. So, therefore, like this, he said, therefore, the one is thinking, we have to understand what the, the one's going to ask right away a question on this, but the one who seems to be saying is, one second, the fact that it was a muad, I now have to pay out of pocket. Had it been a tom, I would not have had to pay out of pocket. Why? Because how would they have taken payment from it? From the animal itself. So therefore, you still caused me damage. So it says like this. They would have paid from the, and it wouldn't have cost me anything. And now that it's a muad, now I'm having to pay out of pocket. Moethe says, one second. That's not a good argument because you're right had it been a tom Definitely. you they would have taken the animal and seized it and sold it off to pay for the khatsi nezik but I would have come back to you and say, you borrowed my animal, and therefore what? You have to pay me back a full animal. So you would have had to pay me out of pocket anyway. So you can't say, now I ended up paying out of pocket. You would have paid me. What's the difference whether you have to pay the dam- the, the, the 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 victim or you would have to pay me? So you can't say that I caused you an out of pocket damage that wouldn't have occurred. So, 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 and, and the bottom line is, don't you have to give me a full ox back? And if they took it, and sold it, you can't give me that full ox back. You would have had to pay me whatever I fall short on. They would have given me back half the money. You would have had to make up the other half because you owe me a full ox. And therefore, you would have had to pay out of pocket either way, whether it's a Tom or whether it's a Muad, you still would have had to pay 50% out of pocket. And that's what you have to pay. Now the Muana says like this. The, 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 uh, very interesting argument. The money says like this: Im who, alright. Now, we know that the one's assuming right now, the one's making the assumption that, according to at least one, uh, one opinion, there's a difference between Tom and Muad. Muad is compensation. Tom is really, you should not have to pay for Tom. Therefore, Tom is, uh, is punitive. You're paying punitive payments, not compensation. Right? Chatzinezid, we said, really, you shouldn't have to pay anything. anything. The Torah imposes a fine now. Right, right. Doesn't matter. what we're going to get to. Then. Therefore, like this, but the more it's asking from the position that it's a fine, if it was a because it's punitive. If I would have run to Bastin in and, and I admitted, and I admitted it, then you would they would not have made me pay. I can't do that now. Why can't I do that now? Because it's a muad, and therefore you're making me pay half the damages because it's a muad. Had it been a tam, I would have run to in, and I would admitted, the and, man, man, it, and then yeah. I would have been it. So therefore, someone says like this: e have, If it was if it was a Tom, Modina, I would have ad- admitted um afterina, and I would have exempted myself that, I, you pointed out, it's but it's a machlokas. Not everyone holds it's that a tom is a knas. There are opinions that hold that a tom is mamon. And if it's mamon, you cannot admit. You're going know. to be held liable for your admission if it's mamon. Tomorrow it says, But even according to the opinion that it's mamon, he still has an argument. What's his argument? He could say it like this Listen, let's say it was a tom. Now, the, the, the victim of a tom can only collect from what? From the From the animal. If it was a tom and I found out that that animal had gored, I would have run and hid that animal in the swamp. Now by hiding that animal in the swamp, I would not have to have paid anything. Why? Because you come to me and say, I need my animal. I would say, go get it. It's in the swamp. The victim doesn't have an animal to collect from. And at the end of the day, I would not have had to make payment. So the bottom line is, we're going to say, well, you gave me back an animal that damaged. Okay, fine. That's an, indirect- That's an indirect damage. You would not have been able to charge me. So by- but now I can't do that. Because even if I hide the animal, it doesn't help anymore. Because now that it's a muad. They're going to come out- they're going to come after my estate. It doesn't help anymore. So really, if, without telling me that it's a muad, and giving him a muad, and I thought it's a time, you actually did directly damage me because now I could not hide the animal, and either way, I would, ha- uh, I would have had to pay. That's what I'm saying. So even if you hold, the manda amar Balganiska is mamona, name a lay, why can't the borrower say to... The owner, if it had been a tam, I would have hidden it in an outside, in the swamp. I would have taken it out to the swamp, and what would it help me by taking it out to the swamp? Then I wouldn't have to. Then the guys coming after me wouldn't have an animal. Without Correct. Paying. And he wouldn't be able to go after my assets. Why? Because Tom, Tom it's not a, you have not to take a, from the thing. So therefore, like this. So again, so the, 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 why, why does the Shoal have to pay 5%? If it's, at, if, it, if Yohol as is knas, his argument is, I could have admitted and I wouldn't have had to pay it. And now I can't do that. And if it's because it's own, I still could have avoided having to pay I'm anything. Could have hidden it. So skin rather what we're we'll dealing with over here, and sometimes I got the word Ella because it doesn't belong. Hakmaya we're dealing with over here, Akden Right after the Baysdin became aware of this animal goring, they went and seized it. Now let's understand, it does two things. Number one, for him to argue I would have run and hidden it can 't hide enough because they have it right, why, right. Would they, why would the or oh, the basin took it they, they seized started, it because they said they're gonna sell it, to the, pay it no, off. because they see they saw they they, they huh. saw that it's a a dangerous animal they went and seized it okay because actually it was a right they seized it right away and number two you can't admit, the only time you can, can admit is before age-based in Age aware. But once they've already seized it, then they're clearly aware of what happened, you can't go ahead and be motivated knas, and be potter. So either way, it takes away either way. You can't say, I would've got out of it, there's no way to get out of it this way. That's why you have to pay at least a 50%. So what I say is like this. Now, if in fact, right, so b'alimah my mashal Now then, what I'm saying is like this. If he allowed Basing to seize it, then why can't the owner have a complaint against the Shoel? Right? Why can't they go back to the borrower and say what? Nei Malay, he says like this, is you now put me at a disadvantage. If I would have got the animal back from you, then there's a rule is Anyone who wants to take my asset away from me, I'm at the upper hand, and they have to bring better proofs. But the fact that you allowed my animal to be seized, now you put me in a detrimental situation, therefore, I, you owe me an animal. You owe me back an animal. And therefore, it's you that has to pay the full amount. Give me back my animal. You should not have allowed it to be seized. I can't get it back from Beistin now, and it's your fault. All right? You have to understand why that's such a great... I mean, right away, uh, knocks that down. Because he says to me in one second. If Beistin had enough evidence to seize it, then they wouldn't have just seized it if it was in my domain. Even if I would have given it back to you, they would have, come after they would have seized it from you too. So you can't argue, oh, you had to get seized, so now I'm in a, de- in, in a detrimental situation because I don't, I'm not in possession of my asset. Even if you were in possession of the asset, the same way they had the grounds to seize it from me, they would have seized it from you as well. If I would have given back to you, don't think they would have taken it from you. Someone says, okay, but still, the name Alei, why can't the owner say to the borrower, <laughs> if you had given it back to me, I would have hidden it in the swamp. If I would have had it, I would have hidden it. Now, right away, the Gemara is one second. What are we talking what about, a see, tam or a muad? We're talking about. Uh, what was it actually? It't.: was It was a, moor, it was a moor. moor. How does hiding it in the swamp? How and can they always that They got, they got my assets anyways. So how does that help? I could have said I could have hidden it. In it. I could have got there before they ceased and hidden it. Some says like this: Mishum Da, amale, because the shoal can say to the owner, "What do you mean? "So so, La Maliya Kam, Would they not be taking it from your, the best of your assets. They don't need the animal. If it's a moor, they don't need the animals. You can't say, if you would have given it to me, I would have hidden it. doesn't help me. it doesn't help you. They would have taken it from something else. Someone says, yeah, that's true if he has other assets. But what are you going to say in a situation where this guy has no other assets? The only asset he has is the animal. So therefore, in such a case, the he could argue you should not have let them seize it because if you would have given it to me, I would have hidden away. He has other assets and fine then I understand, you could say, they would, you, they would have taken your money anyway, not from the ox. But he has no other assets. So what is the show gonna be able to say? They would have taken it from you anyway. No, it's not true. If I would have hidden it, they would have, well, they would have gone after the best of your assets. They couldn't, I don't have any other assets. So you did cause me damage by allowing it to be seized. So it says. Let me just explain it outside. The one i going to say is like this. You don't have an argument against me. Like this. There is a rule that's called Shibbuta de Rav What is Shibbuta de Rav The way Shibbuta de Rav works is as follows. Let's say, Reuven owes money to Shimon. Okay? And Shimon owes money to Levi. So Reuven owes to Shimon, Shimon owes to Levi. The Rab Nosen, we're going to see based on Sukkim, allows Shimon uh, Levi to go directly... To skip going to, uh, to, to Shimon, he can go direct to Ruben and say, listen, instead of you paying him and then him paying me, I can take it directly from him. There's, that's a halogically valid thing. So he says, really, that's the same thing over here. You don't have any complaints against me. You're right. I owe you an ox, right? Because you, I borrowed it from you. But you owe the victim. And ox. So therefore, the victim has a right to come directly to me and take it from me. You can't say, "Well, if I would have had another, I have a right to give it." Because based on shibur Rab is that the, the that uh, I owe h- you, you owe him. He can come to me and take it away, and I've done nothing wrong. That's the bottom line. Sigmar so says like this. Sigmar so says, Mishum de is the Shoel can tell, tell 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 the the owner of the ox." Ki just as I owe you. The ox, I have to give you back because I borrowed from you. I owe you a back and ox. Uh, you uh, so too. I also technically owe the damaged party the ox. Why? With Rav Nosson using Rav Nosson's drasha. Tosania, we learned in a bray. Said Rav "Omer, how do you know if a person has a claim?" of a hundred, means Shimon has a claim of a hundred against Ruvayn, and Levi has a claim of a hundred against Shimon. How do you know we can take it away from Ruvain and give it directly to Levi, skipping Shimon in between? Because the Pasic says like there's no matter a person who swore falsely that he owes money. They came to base they, they took him to base and they said, I don't owe money and I swear. Now Aloha is in such a case, he has to if he wants to do tshuva he has to give back the item place and to pay a fifth. And he has to bring a carbon. It says, It says, He gives it to the one to whom he is guilty. Now, it's very interesting. He has to pay the guy. Obviously, we know which guy is paying. What do you mean to the one who's guilty? And the word ashram means guilty. The word ashram also means principle. So you give it to the one who owns the principle. Why is it used that language? Because sometimes the principle is not owned by the person that you directly owe the money to, who owns the principal? The, the, the person who is the creditor of the person who you owe, and therefore you can skip the guy you owe, and give it straight to the person that he has a right to collect it from you. So therefore that's where you give it to the person who really owns the principal, not to the person directly who you owe. So that's where you see the concept. That's why the shoel can claim to the owner, you, uh, you can't come after me, I had a right to give him the whole animal, because you owe him that whole animal animal. Okay. Now, the one says like this. It says, who had bebeishol? We, t- we had two clauses in the Mishnah, in the, the, in, in the brysa. The first clause of the brysa was, I gave you an animal on the guise that it was a tom, and it ended up being a muad. So we said, and went, and, so therefore, that was the case we just had, and each guy has to kick in 50%. Right, that's what we said. The second clause was, who had bebeishol? I gave you a tom, Reuven gave Shimon a time, and Shimon was negligent in the way he watched it. It gored three times and became a muad by Shimon. Shimon gives it back to Reuven, it gores by Reuven, and they said Reuven only, only pays 50%, but, and Shimon doesn't pay anything. someone says like this. someone says like this. Now, the only way to understand that is if you say that when it changes domain, Must be because it changed domain by going from the uh, borrower back to the owner. So it resets the clock, right? And it goes back to what? To being a tongue. So then, if that's true, then why don't we say the same thing? When Reuven gave Shimon the animal. So when he borrowed it, why don't we say Shimon became the new owner, and it goes back from Muad <laughs> to become Tom, and he should only be Chatsin Why there do we pay full damages? Then if it changes it one way, why doesn't it change it the other way too? So it says, so Reisha shows any From the Reisha, it seems to be that the chaining change of the jurisdiction doesn't change the status. Psalm Rav Yochanan, what you have to say is, Tavra, Misha, Shanazul, Shanazul, one who learns the first part of the brise, it's like a broken brise, you have to break it into two. It's not the same author. The author of the resha is not the author of the sefer, which is difficult to say. So Raba Amar Raba says I disagree. With the Reish If you see from the first case where it only uh, where we say that you have to pay the full amount and it doesn't change when it goes back, when, it, when so therefore Seva Nami You have to say the same thing. Well, the question in the Sefer, if it doesn't say the same thing, then why in the Sefer when it became a Muad by the by the why shuad, it when it why when it goes back to the original God, it should still remain full damages. Not not right. Someone says like this: The Sefer behind a timer. Means like this. There's different ways to understand it, but the it seems to be saying is that the owner can say, "Listen, at the end of the day, I'm the owner. You took it from me when it was goring, when it gored under you, right?" You are not the real owner of the animal. Therefore, you don't watch it as good as you should be watching it. I have a right to say to base then, therefore, when it comes back to me, give me a chance to show that I can watch it, that it doesn't become a muad. The fact that he didn't watch it should not make my animal into a muad because he didn't watch it with the amount that it needs, the way it needs to be watched. So therefore, like this. So therefore, it comes out that that, that, uh, that's why I have a right. But when I gave him my muad, when I give him my muad and to watch, in such a case, it doesn't change, it doesn't change, right? In, in such a case. So when he says, uh, that's the first opinion. Rapapa says, "I go the other direction." the since you see in the Sefer, it does change, that it went from being a Muad by the shomer to, be, to the shoel, to going back to the owner, it does change. There you see that it does change directions. So the reisha in the first case, it's going to change directions too. So said, if that's the case, then why doesn't it? Why, when you gave him a muad, didn't it automatically make it? a Time and then you don't pay. Right. So therefore, like this, For reisha in a time. the reason is like this: is that that even though it's true that we giving it to a shorel is somewhat of a changing of jurisdiction. It's true, but this animal really never loses the name that it's owned by know, yeah. the original guy. Which means that therefore your point was the same way it went from when it, when it became a by the shoel and he gives it back to the owner, it goes back to being Tom. So then if it became a by the, 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 the owner, then why when he gives the show does it not go back to become Tom? Because it doesn't really lose the name of the owner. The owner's name still sticks with it. Now it has to be understood. So why does it only work one way and not work the other way? meaning like this why do you say well it's always the owner's animal so therefore so therefore so then it became a muad in the hands of the shoel so it, it should still still be considered like it became a muad by, by the owner because the owner's name is right. so therefore you could you could argue that that's it is become it does become a new jurisdiction while it's by the hands of the shoel the point is it's new that it could be created a law that applies by the shoel that it will be lost when the shoel's name goes off it but the original owner's name became muad by him its name it, it does not get lost it does it stays the same okay we'll we'll stop they're, over here mark, uh and said uh, that uh, a raceable in the time the call mark comes all whatever the animal goes shame Ba'alav of the name of the owner remains with it